Are you talking shift? We are. It's time for the We're Talking Shift podcast. Now, now, now. Here to talk shift, Lori Bischoff. We're talking shift. Hello, everyone. I'm Lori Bischoff. Welcome to We're Talking Shift, where my guest and I talk shift because I really believe that the antidote to feeling stuck begins in our minds with a shift in our thinking. Today, you guys, I have no guest. No, I am flying solo. Actually, I think this is my first solo flight. So uh, maybe we'll see. I may I may try and talk uh, my trusty producer TJ into chiming in. So we'll see how that goes. But I think that would be a lot of fun. I'm going to be sharing some tips today on cultivating a happy, healthy, let's say couplehood. That just basically means, you know, a committed relationship or a marriage. That's what that's what I'm going to talk about today. So, while I'm uh, going through a few things here, we're going to invite TJ to just jump in, or maybe I'm just going to ask him a question. We'll see. We'll see how it goes. So, you guys, I have been married for 34 years. I met my husband Eric. Sometimes I refer to him as E. In the early 80s. And this August actually is going to be our 35th wedding anniversary. I know, 35. I don't meet that many couples anymore that are younger than us, our age or younger, uh, that that are still together, that are still married. Anyway, we have two kids, adult kids. They're in their early 30s. And I am happy to report that we are still crazy about each other. We have so much fun. We are very happy with the life that we've built and the experiences that we've had together. And that doesn't mean that we haven't, you know, had a few bumps in the road like everyone would. And you would expect that over the course of more than three decades. But, you know, there's never been anything that has been so serious that it was like, ooh, this could be a deal breaker. We, we never had that happen, you know, knock on wood. It's been amazing. And, and we are just still so insanely excited about what our future holds. So I was looking, though, at some stats And not everybody gets to have that experience. And let me share a few things that I dug up with you. There's a ton of stats out there. I looked and there are multiple sites, tons of statistics on divorces and why you get divorced and all that good stuff. And there are some variances, but generally speaking, there was a few that were pretty common across all the, all of the sites that I looked at. So I'm just going to name a couple here to set the tone. This one blew me away. Every 13 seconds, seconds, you guys, somebody files for divorce. That's like over four a minute. That's frequent. (laughs) to put it mildly. And I, I'm not like math is not my big forte, but I tried to whip out the calculator real quick and do some numbers. And if I did it right, I could be wrong. But if I did that right over four per minute, that's like 5,760 filings a day. So correct me if I'm wrong, but um, maybe if TJ is listening, he can whip out his calculator and, and see if he chimes in later, if that's correct. All right. So that one, that's a biggie. Um, the average length of a first marriage is about eight years. 41% of first marriages end in divorce and 
of second marriages end in divorce. 50% of kids see their parents divorced and a whopping 43% of those kids are living without their father's involvement. I thought all of those were, wow, really interesting. And they've gone, you know, up and down. Actually, from what I saw, they've, they actually have decreased a little bit, those numbers, over the last um, couple of decades. They were higher, I want to say, I think it was in the 80s, but they're still up there. Uh, the other thing that I thought was interesting was a couple of, of uh, stats on who is more likely to get divorced. So it's said that you're more likely to get divorced if you marry before the age of 25, now, of course, these are averages and these are just statistics, so it doesn't apply across the board. I was 23, so clearly um, I was able to avoid that. <laughs> uh, you're more likely to get divorced if you did not graduate high school. I'm not sure why that is. Um, I was trying to think why would that be, you know, make it more probable that you'd end up in divorce. Maybe it's because with less schooling, you have less opportunity to develop really good coping and problem solving skills, you know, to take out into adulthood with you. I'm not sure, but that was one of the things. Uh, you are more likely to get divorced if you fight about money. And I think probably most people just know that, but, um, that one was definitely the biggest harbinger. Uh, the more frequent the arguments about money, the greater the odds of a divorce happening. So it was pretty good chances if it was like, you know, once or twice a month. It's not good. But if you're arguing about money several times a week, yeah, it's definitely not looking good. And the odds are really high that a divorce is in your future. And then the last one that I thought was interesting is you're more likely to get divorced if you have a friend that's getting divorced. Now, I don't know what the psychology there is. Um, it's, it's, it's interesting. I, I'm not even going to fathom a guess on that, but I'm just reading you what I discovered. So anyway, all of this stuff and what I've been thinking about lately is it just caused me to sit down and go, well, you know, what have we been doing? What are some tips that I know we've used, um, not necessarily consciously, but what have we been doing for all of these years that has brought us to this point where we are knocking on the door of 35 years married and we're still, you know, having a blast. Life is good and we're super excited about our future still. So I came up with a list. I'm at 36 tips so far. And, you know, as they keep coming to mind, I'll just keep jotting them down. Now, obviously, I'm not going to spend um, a couple of hours going through 36 tips today. But what I did was I thought I'd start with a couple. And these are a couple that two of them I'm going to talk about today that I know for me anyway, I'm not even speaking for my husband. I'm just speaking for me. To me, these two have been a very conscious part of my awareness for a long, long time. And um, so that's what I'm going to share. My number one tip is focus. I know it's not the usual trust and honesty and communication and love and all those things that are absolutely necessary and important and vital to a healthy, strong relationship, but focus is really, really key, you guys. It is a major fundamental practice. I look at it this way. If the idea 
of being in a marriage or, you know, a committed relationship, if the idea is that you want to do life together, right? That's why you're partnering up with somebody that you're crazy about. You want to experience life together and everything that that involves, right? So if that's the whole point, then I think it's really um, quite important that each partner maintains focus on that premise. The whole thing here is we want to do life together. And then of course, you need to maintain the health of the relationship based on that premise. Does that make sense? So there are things that we need to do to keep our relationship healthy and thriving. And this is going to require continual focus. You have to keep your eye on the target. And the more time that you spend together, especially then you, you know, if you're going to have children in in your relationship, the more other things are pulling at your attention and pulling at your focus. So it is really a conscious effort and a balance, a balancing act that changes with every, you know, phase that you go through that you really have to be cognizant of. It's like the, you know, the same principles, um, you have to apply the same principles to your relationship that you would to, to stay healthy, right? So to stay physically healthy, you, you know, you have to have a healthy diet. Uh, you maybe take your vitamins. You try not to run yourselves ragged. You know, we don't want to, we try not to overtax ourselves and abuse ourselves because we know we're going to suffer and pay, right? Well, like our bodies, when we tax the relationship, when we abuse it or take it for granted, we suffer and pay. And that's because our focus isn't on the right thing. So I think that it's, uh, it's really important to do what I call cocooning your relationship or your marriage. I think you have to cocoon it. It's like you have to envelop it and surround it in this, in a protective way. And I don't mean, don't confuse that with, you know, isolating yourselves or your partner or being overly possessive of your partner. That's not the same thing. I'm talking about, um, honoring the, the relationship or the marriage and your mission as a couple above all other things and people. You have to place it at the top of the of the focus and the priority heap of things that are going to be pulling at you, if that makes sense. So you don't let anyone or anything pierce that protective layer that you have around it. That's That to me is hugely important. And I see that it gets um, diluted and it gets overlooked and it just gets forgotten about a lot of times as the years, you know, the months and the years and the phases go by. It's so easy to lose focus. And I've seen it with um, people that, couples that I've worked with or individuals that I've worked with. The, the focus is just so far away from the health of the relationship and from the whole concept and the reason that you probably were so crazy about each other in the first place, which was, wow, I am so crazy about you or I'm so in love with you and we have so much fun together that we, wanna, we want to move into the future together. We want to do life together. And all of a sudden, everything else starts moving in and edging that out. And then you've just totally kind of forgot about it. So focus, focus, focus. TJ, I don't know if you're there, if you're listening, but I'm going to invite you if you want uh, to chime in. Do you, 
do you, I know you're married, right? Do you have anything that you'd like to add to that? What oh, do you think? It'll be nine years next month. So yes. Ooh, that's I've, good. Uh, yeah. Not bad. Right. And uh, we've been together, let's see here, 14 years overall, but uh, you know, what you were saying made me pull up some stats here just about divorce rate by country and societies. Mm -hmm. And uh, I was surprised to see that, uh, unfortunately, uh, it seems like first world countries are the ones that actually have more uh, of a higher divorce rate where uh, some of the, the, the lesser established economies in, in the world have a much lower divorce rate. And, and I kind of hate to say this, mm -hmm. but I, I was wondering if Maybe that's necessarily not a good thing that some of these countries that are, you know, maybe third world countries have a lower divorce rate because looking at them, um, it, it seems like those countries, women don't have a very prominent role in a lot of the relationships that they're in. Like they're almost sort of stuck, right? Where mm -hmm. in the first world countries, women that are, are you know, I, I don't want to say it this yeah. way, but respected a bit more, uh, have more sure. of a say in their relationship and in. It made me wonder that uh, if a divorce uh, rate, while it's bad per se, it might also be a sign of more of a civilized union, if you will. Yeah, I think that's a really, really interesting point. And I think that you're probably right. You know, I mean, everyone isn't getting separating or getting divorced for the same reasons. So clearly there are a lot of times in a relationship where, you know, it just, it just unfolds in such a way that, you know what, it's definitely a lot less productive and a lot, un, I'd say maybe even unhealthy, maybe even unsafe in and, some instances to stay together. Right. So yeah. And, and the person, the, yeah, the, go the, ahead. The leading cause of divorce too, which I thought was interesting, isn't necessarily that bad of a thing. I hate to sound like a proponent for divorce here, but honestly, the, the stats made me sort of reevaluate things. 44% of all divorces uh, now end in um, the couple saying that they just grew apart or were, were incompatible. And mm -hmm. getting back to uh, what I was talking about, where in the more you know developed first world countries uh, where women get a bit more respect, I feel like maybe they're the ones that initiate the divorce because they're like, look, I'm in a situation I don't want to be in. And, mm -hmm. uh, and if, if two people have grown apart, they probably shouldn't be in a yeah. relationship anymore. And I, yeah, I agree. But, but at the same time, like, uh, hopefully everybody, you know, can, can say like the, the biggest thing I think you said, uh, said, you know, setting this part up is really you, you and Eric have kept a spark. You, you're still crazy about one another. Really? Yep. Like the thing is, is you need to remain in a relationship that you want to be. And I think so many people lose that spark and then ultimately lose their sense of like, why am I with this person? And that's ultimately like, cause you look at the other things like infidelity, infidelity is 18% of all divorces, uh, drinking and drugs, 9%, um, things like that. Those are almost coping mechanisms, right? Like uh, right. if someone is cheating on their spouse, it's because they're not getting that sort of love and support that they wanted to begin with. Or if they turn to drugs and alcohol, it, it may be the same sort of thing. So uh, I think right. going, going back to what you said, it's, it's just all about keeping that spark. And, and you've said it in the past, you and Eric are still very much into date night. You've always had date night or, oh, or yeah. and I think that's the, the biggest thing in the world. Cause while people argue and, and bring up money situations, things like that, like those are a lot easier to deal with. If you can put all of it to a side, you know, just once a week and date your lover again, honestly. 
Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, and it's, it's, um, it's easy to fall out of that, um, when you start to have kids. I mean, if you are a couple and you don't have children, I mean, every night can be a, every night's a date night, right? Because there's, there's nothing else there pulling at your attention and, and your resources. Right. But, but in particular, when you start to have kids, um, if there's any way possible that you can maintain at least one night a week, to go out and just, you take off the, I'm a mom, I'm a dad hat. And you, you know, metaphorically, you put on your, I'm a, your girlfriend, you're my boyfriend hat. And you, and you go back into those roles so that you maintain that kind of, uh, that essence of your relationship. It's so important. And it's, it, you really have to, somebody's got to insist on it. And I know like for Eric and I, when, when our first child was born, um, as a mom, as the woman, it's like your instinct and your nature is to like, you know, never leave your kid. I mean, you know, you're, it's very hard to get pulled away. It was for me anyway, to get pulled, but pulled away from that, even to go out for an evening or an overnighter. But Eric was very insistent. Thank God, you know, kudos to him because it would have been real easy if he would have just said, yeah, no worries. Let's just stay in and just let that slip away. It could have happened, but he was very insistent on, no, no, we're, you know, leaving, um, our son or our son or our daughter with the grandparents or, you know, whoever, and we're going out and we're going to do us. And he was very insistent on that. And thank God, because it really, I think was, a, um, crucial part of making sure that we maintain that aspect of our relationship. And then of course, you know, you, um, you know, where we are now, then your kids grow up and then finally they get to a point where you no longer, they're old enough, they're mature. You no longer have to limit your date night to one night a week when you can get a sitter. Now, you know, you get to the point where they're teenagers or they're on their own. And now you're kind of back to, Hey, we can, we can be that again. We can be that play that, have that role, be those people, that boyfriend and girlfriend, like we were before kids, we can do that whenever we want. And so we were able to just flow right through those seasons of our lives. And then it was easy to, to flow into that, that aspect of the relationship again, because we never lost sight of it in the first place. And I think that's what happens to so many people. They lose sight of it. And then by the time, you know, they become empty nesters or the kids are old enough, they've, again, become so disconnected or grown so far apart. They lost focus and they can't figure out how to find their way back. You ready for the most divorced country in the world? Not one that you're even going to come close to thinking of because hmm. it just doesn't pop up on the radar. But Luxembourg, Luxembourg has the... A highest divorce rate, uh, divorce rate as a country, 87% of all marriages end in divorce. Wow. 87. Wow. That is, what's going on in Luxembourg? What, what is <laughs> interesting, too, there. they only have about a half a million people in their population. So, uh, I mean, heck, most most people probably on their third third marriage. That's that's really interesting. I wonder, um, well, just different, I don't know, different culture, different lifestyle. Yeah. I don't know. That's, that's, I wouldn't have guessed it. No, I would not have guessed it. it would have never popped up on my radar. No. And um, then, uh, number two is, uh, Spain with 65%. Uh, France is number three. So the, you know, Paris always gets that, uh, label of like the city of romance and the city of love. Well, they're, mm -hmm. they're, they're still over the 500 mark on, 
all uh, marriages ending in divorce. Uh, Russia is number four with 51%, and then uh, the United States. Huh. Huh. I would have thought, actually, we would have been more in the top three. So that's, yeah. I guess that's good. I guess that's good. But uh, I think a lot of what you said, though, um, is valid. Um, and I think, though, a lot of those reasons that you stated also are, they kind of go back to focus. Um and a lot of them um, have to do with maybe what I think, anyway, is my my second tip that we'll go into in just a second here. But um, the other thing that I wanted to cite uh, that I think is interesting is some some of the red flags. So when it comes to again um, focus, uh, red flags would be you, you know that you maybe need to reevaluate you know how your resources are meaning your focus and your time and your attention, how they're being spent. So a red flag would be if, if you are spending more time, more quality time with friends than with your partner. And again, everybody should have friends. A lot of times couples have mutual friends and then they just have their own individual friends, right? And it's, uh, it's good to spend time with your friends. But when that balance shifts, and you, um, somebody in the relationship is now spending way more time with friends than with their partner, that that's a red flag. Uh, another one would be if, uh, one or both partners are starting to habitually hang out with coworkers after work when the other one is maybe already home. So maybe one partner or both, uh, work outside the home and, you know, it's really easy after work, especially if you have, um, a good group of people that you work with, you like each other. And then everyone's like, let's, you know, let's stop for happy hour on the way home, which is all lots of fun. And I don't, uh, I'm not saying I discourage that, but when it starts to become the habit that now you're gone, you're away from each other all day, you're working. And now instead of coming home to share your day and your evening with your partner, you start spending more time hanging out with the coworkers and doing that thing after work. And then by the time you get home, you're just, you're kind of spent, you know, and, uh, and you maybe watch some TV and you go to bed. So there's a, a little bit of a disconnect that can start happening there. So that's something you have to really be, be careful of and just keep it balanced. Um, another red flag is condemning or criticizing your partner in front of other people. I've seen that and boy, it's not pretty. Um, sometimes it's disguised as uh, good-natured teasing, but uh, you can tell, you can feel it when it's actually really sort of an, you know, a barb or something like that. But when you when you condemn or criticize your partner, particularly in front of other people, you are violating the the rules of you know of of cocooning of protecting the relationship. Um, you will breach trust that way. Another red flag, uh, is your business maybe is consuming you. Maybe you're, maybe you're an entrepreneur or a business owner and, um, that requires, you know, a lot of hours and a lot of work and a lot of your focus. Um, and it's consuming you. And sometimes things have to, you know, be a little out of balance and a little wonky for a while while things, um, you know, while you're setting up new things and diving into to new areas of of your profession or your personal life, whatever. But things can get out of balance. Things can consume you for a while. And if it gets to the point, though, where you don't resume a reasonable balance, 
then it becomes a strain on the relationship. The relationship gets stressed and a disconnect starts to happen. So those are just a few red flags that a person can, you know, be aware of. So if you see those things starting to happen too frequently, where they're becoming more the norm, then that's when you want to go, hmm, maybe we need to look at what we're focused on here. Um, because you want to always make sure that your behavior um, is on the health of your relationship and it doesn't, and it doesn't veer too far from that for too long a period of time. Because you got to remember, what you focus on is what you get. So if you take your eyes off the target, you will absolutely go in another direction. It's like riding a bike or driving a car. And I think everybody's had that experience. If you've been riding a bike or driving a car, if you start to look off to the right or the left and you focus on what's over there for more than a few seconds, the vehicle that you're in or on will automatically start veering in that direction. It is exactly the same thing. So I think that it's really, that's why I think focus is so important. You have to keep your eye on the target. So I think, you know, questions to ask yourself if you're in a committed relationship or a marriage is, you know, are you both in agreement that the health of your relationship is your priority focus? Now you might just assume that and probably it's a good assumption, but it's, it's uh, not a bad idea to every now and then just stop and sort of take your temperature ask yourself, remind yourself, bring it up, talk to your partner, make sure that, you know, you're, you are both willing to put the relationship that the two of you have at the top of your list of important things to pay attention to and to nourish. And just always, always make sure that everybody is focusing on the same thing, heading in the right direction, be willing to cocoon your relationship and surround it in that, you know, protective veil, so to speak. So, all right, before I move on to number two, anything else that you want to add about that? No, I, uh, I, I think you actually said a lot of stuff that seems like common sense, but sort of needs to be said. You know what I mean? Like, especially yeah. like the, the analogy about, you know, uh, focusing on something else while you're driving. Like you can't don't get caught up by one distraction because eventually you're going to either start going more towards that distraction more than you need to or you're going to hit something else that you're not even looking at. You know what I mean? Exactly. Exactly. Perfect. All right. So tip number two is what I call fanship. And that I say means being each other's biggest fan. I have always said from the very, very early days, you have to be the biggest fan of your partner. Um, I, I personally believe that it's one of the most critically important thing along, uh, along with the, you know, the focus is that you and your partner are each other's biggest fans. So you are cheering your partner on with whatever, you know, they're, they're doing or, or being personally or professionally. It's one of the greatest gifts that you can give each other when you are cheering your partner on, you know, it promotes it promotes trust because you're, you're showing that you support the things that are making your partner tick and making them feel good and making them thrive or helping them to thrive. Right. And it demonstrates, uh, that you're, here's a big one. It really demonstrates that your partner's growth isn't threatening to you. And that's a really big one for people because people get, um, fearful when they 
see that their partner might be changing a little bit or growing a little bit, um, it can be scary for people because they start to fear that somehow that's going to translate to they're going to lose something. Um, but when you can be your partner's biggest fan, it's, it says to your partner that you love and support them in all of the ways that they're expanding. And it's really a demonstration of of sincere love and devotion, you know, whether they're, they're up and they're moving and shaking and growing or they're, or sometimes they're down, you're still their biggest fan. It's like heartfelt enthusiasm and you're, you're championing, championing them on their, on their greatness and, you know, helping them to rise to their highest potential. And again, I think that that's a, that can be a hard one for people because people fear their partner's growth because growth represents change and change scares people. Often, um, I think if, if one person in the relationship is growing and the other, the other person isn't in the same, you know, capacity or in the same way, they're still kind of at their status quo. They view that as growing apart. Growing doesn't have to, you know, mean that you're growing apart, but you know, growth and change is inevitable. Hopefully everyone is going to continue to grow, especially if you got married in your younger years, you know, in your twenties or even your thirties, you're still, you're still growing. You're still learning. You're still hopefully expanding. And, you know, all of that, all of the things that are making you, um, become, you know, uh, more of who you are and, and what you want to do. So, Again, I say, if your focus is to experience life together, then this is going to happen. So you have to ask yourself, are you willing to support um, your your partner's growth and cheer them on? Are you uh, going to be that person that is fearless of that? Are you feeling like you are confident that that's only going to be good for you? Can you have, it takes courage really to do that. And that can be a very difficult thing for some people. What do you think about that, TJ? I mean, life is nothing but evolution. And yep. if we never evolved, we won't get to this point. And we're, I, I find this, especially with people that are more uh, advanced in life, uh, they seem to just be complacent with how things are. And when they are complacent with that, that's, I mean, it's kind of like that old saying with a shark, if you're not moving, you're dying. And, mm -hmm. you know, a lot of people, I think in their, you know, especially with a relationship, they see how they got there. They may even be proud of it, but they think, oh, I'm good now. I've made it. We've been married for 20, 30 years. Everything's fine. But it's like, if you don't continue to put effort into who you are and who your partner is and you stop evolving and changing, Maybe they evolve and change and you don't. And then we start to get back to that leading cause of divorce or separation. It's that incompatibility. Just because you've been friends or on the same page for so long doesn't mean that you're always going to be, especially if you start to become complacent with the way things are. We never, yeah. ever stop changing and evolving. Exactly. Yes. I, I couldn't agree more. When, you know, when you, when you stop, if you become that person that, that stops growing and you are now content to just, you know, I don't know, watch, watch TV all day or, you know, you're just not doing anything. Um, 
you're going to get bored with yourself. Your partner's going to get bored with you. You're just, you're, you are internally not going to be happy. There's going to be conflict. Well, life is going to get bored with you too. It's not only going to, you know, fall apart maybe, uh, you know, with your, with your marriage at home, but like business and your opportunities in life, you have to roll with an ever changing and evolving society and world. And, uh, I mean, if, if someone fell in love with their flip phone, you know, 15 years ago and they didn't embrace technology, uh, you're probably going to miss out on opportunities. Like I can't imagine trying to survive with a phone that doesn't have access to the internet, et cetera. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. There's uh, there's just, there's always new things. And I think uh, if you are somebody that, if you want to thrive, if you want to continue to thrive, no matter what age or phase you're at in your life, I don't care if you're in your, you know, your thirties, forties, fifties, sixties, seventies, if you want to continue to thrive, you have to continue to grow. And boy, it's really sweet when you have a partner that's right there with you, cheering you on saying, yeah, try that. Yeah, go do that. Or yeah, let's do this together. Or no, I'm not interested in that, but you go do that. I am your biggest fan. I want you to rise to your full potential. That, that is really such a vitally important thing, I think, in a relationship when you know that you know, that's what your best friend would do for you. So, you know, if you really are going to be your partner's best friend all the way around, in addition to all the other things you are to each other, um, I think that supporting that and being the, 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 the cheerleader is so, is just, I don't know. I just, I feel like if you don't have that, it's just a, it's a component in the relationship that is often overlooked. Um, I've seen it. I've seen it in people that I've worked with. You probably have seen it too, but um, there's something missing there because everybody, everybody wants to have that kind of emotional and psychological support. And um, who better, who, who really should know you the best and be that person for you? I think it's the person that you have committed yourself to wanting to do life with. 100 percent. You know, uh, yeah. I mean, you, you married that person for a reason. Right. And mm-hmm. if you uh, don't maintain that and also keep up with, then uh, it's all going to fall apart. It does. You know, and even if it doesn't fall apart, it just gets to be like on life support. <laughs> and right. Which, know, which may even be worse. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like I, I hate to say it, but at least people that get divorced are recognizing the problem and then changing and evolving that way. And, and, yeah. you know, there, I, I hate to say this, it sounds bad. And maybe my wife would, would be, uh, taken aback by me saying this, but I would rather not be with her than be in a relationship that doesn't benefit either of us or at least make us try. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, totally. I agree. I, I don't think that, um, I'm not against divorce. I just think that a lot of times though, people end up getting divorced because there are some things that they just lost sight of. And had they known earlier on where to keep, you know, where to keep their focus, maybe they would have still been able to move through and have that original vision that they had together. But I also agree though, that if people are really not happy together, um, and there's, you know, or, or there's, you know, really something negative happening in the relationship, you're better off separating. It's not a good example to set for 
your kids, if you have them, to stay together when everybody's unhappy and miserable. It sets the bar really low. It's not what you would want for them. So why would you want to demonstrate to that, that to them? And um, yeah, nobody can thrive in that. Nobody's, uh, nobody's gaining and having an amazing life when they're in a very unhappy situation uh, and they feel like they're stuck. So I think there are definitely times where a divorce is the better route to go for sure, for sure. So those are my two tips for today. Focus, keep all four of your eyes, the two of you, you know, you and your partner, keep all four of your eyes on your agreed upon target. Find your mutually agreed upon definition of what a healthy relationship looks like what it feels like, what it operates like, and then keep your attention and actions focused on each other and on that. And then two, fanship. Always be your partner's biggest fan. Support, encourage, and cheer them on to becoming the greatest version of themselves that they can be. That's the best kind of love. I mean, when you want that for your partner more than anything else, I think that that is the truest, most spiritually mature kind of love. So those are my two tips for today. All right. I really hope that you love what you heard today, everyone. And TJ, thank you so much for uh, for chiming in. That was really fun. We have to do this more often. I think you had some really great insights there. I love what you contributed. It was I think, awesome. I think our business relationship just evolved. <laughs> I think so too. And I'm very excited about this. So we'll, uh, we'll come back, uh, maybe in another couple of weeks with a few more tips and we'll flesh it all out. So anyway, thanks everybody for listening to us. Uh, this was a lot of fun. Be sure to subscribe and share your comments. We would love to hear them. And of course, a rating always makes things brighter for me. If you are trying to make some shift happen in your life or your relationship, and you want to find out what private coaching with me is all about, please connect with me on any of the social media platforms or we're talking shift.com or lauriebischoff.com. So thank you again, everybody for listening. I love you. And until next week, Stay feisty, my friends. Hey, and stay focused. Go make some shift happen. Yeah, that means you too, Gary V. The preceding podcast was a TJ DeSantis production. Comments, questions, and inquiries can be directed to desantisprod at gmail.com.